Welcome, Tales of Gore listeners, to the episode 63. Today we're on M16 Night Strike Outreach Bootcamp, returning to training. We're returning to active duty and training here today. Learning to be sensitive to the movement of the Holy Spirit, prophetic evangelism training for street ministry outreaches. We are on Module 4, Healing on the Streets. Some good stuff we're going to be covering here today. Hope you guys enjoy it. I'll throw in a little bit of my experience and my past background, what's going on here. So as you can see, if you're watching the on YouTube or Spotify, there's our cover, M16 Night Strike Outreach Bootcamp Ministry. We I do have a um, training guide put together for this. It's available for digital download for buck ninety-nine. Didn't want to break your bank here. Just want to cover some costs just to for my expense of doing it, which is not a whole lot, <laughs> right? Um, but if you want to follow along and, and listen to these and mark it up and by all means go get the digital download. It's gonna be able, available where this Particular video is going to be posted on a field guide at spiritualwarfare.blogspot.com. Look for episode 63. I'll have a link down in the show notes of where to pick this up. Also, if you scroll down the blog, you'll see where the other previous episodes were. I did the, the four previous episodes on this one. I kind of did them out of order. I did the uh, Keeping an Open Heaven first, which was module five, just to test the waters here, and you guys enjoyed it. So, here is module four, the final one of the book. Um, it's not the end of our training. There's so much stuff to cover here. But I like I said, I put this stuff together for my old church um, years and years and years ago. I think this was back in 2013. I did this training and I was doing night strike. I probably was doing night strike for probably, oh gosh, um, probably into seven years now. And the people in my church are always hearing these cool testimonies and that finally the, the Holy Spirit was just breaking out in that church and people want to learn more. So I provided a training series for them. Me and another um, pastor who were just moving in the Holy Spirit and holding, I talked about the side uh, churches. We were holding our houses and stuff too, just for education on Saturday nights. Some interesting stuff like that too. And this is kind of the outcome, what came out of them. But what I did is I recompiled my experience and how I learned. Because as, as you guys know by now, I was in the front row, the, the pew, the frozen chosen in church. And I didn't know anything. And my particular church was very conservative. Um, they never really talked about movements of the Holy Spirit or that miracles could happen today. And it wasn't that it was a cessationist church. It was a golf club church. And whenever the pastor tried to speak about movements of the Holy Spirit, you know, it, it you know, roughed some feathers in the church there. So what happened was the Holy Spirit just went around them and built an underground. We called ourselves the Holy Spirit Underground. We had meetings off the side on Saturday nights. And as it grew, we invited more people. And then we went back into church and just built up the church. Crazy stuff, man. And... Like I said, if I was on the pew, the frozen chosen there, how the heck did I get involved in all this? What what thrusted me? Like I said, um, if you've been following along in Tales of Glory, I, I hint every now and then that I got drafted into spiritual warfare training. And by that, I mean I went through what was called, a, I, I, I call it, I haven't seen it in um, books yet, but I'm working with other people experiencing this too, a generational haunting. For some reason, spirits and apparitions are attached to the family, move from house to house. You don't know how they got attached to you. And it was from a some sort of previous um, generational curse or something. And it was just a weird experience. And it, they're very difficult to break off. And like I said, mine followed me and my myself for like 47 years. Excuse me, it was longer than that. Um, 57, because I, let's do the math here. Two years back, no, 55, till I was 55. I finally got freedom of it. That's because I beat this thing in the head. And there were some weird supernatural battles to get rid of this thing and finally make it go. And I'm working with other people now because it's a long walkout. It's give them the faith to keep fighting, and these things break off. They don't want to release the family line they think they have. This is not a generational curse, so to speak. I call it a generational haunting where 
apparitions do manifest. Um, things do happen supernaturally, and finally it breaks off and it, it's sent back to where you know belongs in hell. So being a part of that and having to deal with that, and that's the short condensed story. I thought I was suffering from dementia because I was seeing spirits. You know, I, I, my background's in computational physics and math and engineering, and I was a software engineer and worked on all sorts of things. So when you're seeing spirits and they flash in front of you or something happens really fast, you think it's dementia. What the heck's going on here? This can't be real. This does not align with my training and my, my academic training. It doesn't align. So I had it externally confirmed by another person that I saw something and they, they saw it too at the same time. And that's when my whole thing came crashing down that, oh my God, this gift of spiritual discernment is real. What I'm seeing is real. And this is probably around... 2006 maybe and once that was confirmed to me as an engineer or something like that you're sitting there going I need answers I need to talk to the people who know this stuff who understand it um, my pastor didn't and it's no blame to him but you know I, I put a lot of pressure on him like dude what the heck is going on he's like I don't know what the heck's going on and I got angry with him and it's it just like well God was saying well maybe you're the person supposed to learn about this and teach these people about this. And so I got thrust into this and the only place I found answers was I eventually joined up with the San Francisco Night Strike Ministry of Bob Johnson and his team which was experiencing the supernatural and they were experiencing stuff on the streets I was experiencing at home, you know. And so I finally um, connected with Bob Johnson and he goes I could give you books and books and books on what you're experiencing and how to deal with it or you can come out in the streets at me and you can learn firsthand combat on how to deal with this. So that sounded like the better option. But, you know, back then I totally stuck my nose up at homeless ministry. I didn't want to be a part of it. It sounded messy, disgusting, stinky. Didn't want to do it. You know, I struggled back and forth, but it was the only way I was going to find answers. I was going to do it. And funny, eventually, you know, God just went from, you know, he, I was sold on the first night on homeless ministry. It was crazy. In fact, I was on my very first deliverance on the streets with a full demonic manifestation because God showed me right away, this is where you need to be. This is where I'm going to train you. And stuff happened right away. On my second night of Night Strike, I went out and the person that was my team leader was not a deliverance minister. And I thought, well, I need to be at the deliverance minister to learn stuff to deal with demons. And I told the guy that, the leader, this guy's name was Forrest. If you guys are part of Night Strike, you know who Forrest is, right? He talks like this. You know, what do you mean you're not supposed to be a deliverance minister? So I told him, well, I'm in the wrong group. I'm not a healer. I'm supposed to be doing deliverance. He goes, tonight you're a healer. <laughs> this raspy voice, he pulled around his little cart, you know, had his funky walk. But, you know, he he earned my respect after the first night. And I learned a lot about healing that very first night on Night Strike. Now, the crazy part is, like I said, I, I attended a church where things weren't moving in the spirit. It was just kind of like a, a lukewarm church. And Night Strikes were on Friday nights. Saturday night, I got back. And my good friend who was a pastor at the church who was also moving in the spirit said, Mike, let's go out to the hospital and pray for people. <laughs> we had a door greeter who was old and was sick in the hospital. And we go, I go, that's a cool idea. Let's go pray and get him out of the hospital. So we went and we prayed for him. And like two days later, he died. And we we're both laughing. Oh, the funny part was when we showed up at the hospital and he's looking at us like, I know you guys from my church. What are you doing here? You know, we're going like, well. We're here to pray for you. And he goes, wasn't the senior pastor available? <laughs> it's like, uh, no, sir. We came on our own, our own accord. 
<laughs> so we prayed for him. Like I said, and two days later, he passed away. And my friend and I were just laughing like, well, I guess practice makes perfect, right? <laughs> so, you know, don't be surprised. Don't be discouraged what happens. But the crazy thing was that was Saturday night I went to pray. Sunday morning, it's like boom, 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 boom. Sunday morning, I get a call from a friend. He goes, Mike, do you know how to pray for healing? I need some help. Like, this is crazy. This is the second call in a row. You know, calls are coming my way, right? Do you know how to pray for healing? And it's like, what is going on here? So I guess Forrest, whatever he did. <laughs> uh, what do they call it? Uh, but yeah, transfer that anointing there, huh, Forrest? So um, I haven't seen Forrest in a while, but I appreciate him. I just want to know those stories. That That's what kind of got me launched into healing. And I wasn't seeing healings right away. And I don't want you guys to be frustrated when you start this. I'm going to start you guys in the beginning. For me, moving and healing was very frustrating until it started happening. And without further ado, let's let's just jump into this. I don't want to get ahead of myself here. And I'll just break it down for you as we move along through this. But yeah, I learned healing in the streets, man. Sometimes you got to learn stuff in the streets. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Where we go? Let's go to module four here. Here we are, module four, healing on the streets. But first of all, I'd like to thank you guys for the feedback you've been giving me. I'm glad you guys are enjoying this. Um, this has been um, a passion of mine for years and helping people out with this stuff, especially the training part. I love the equipping part, and I'm glad you guys are benefiting from it. So always feel free to ask questions either at um, the Facebook site, a field guide to spiritual warfare, you can ask there. And I would prefer if it's just general questions, if you ask them in the comment section so other people can benefit from the answers because... You're not the only person asking that, that question. These are good questions. Or you can ask over at the YouTube site. Or you can ask over um, at a field guide spiritualwarfare.blogspot.com under episode 63 about healing. I'll leave a comment there. And usually I'll respond with maybe a video or something that, that gives a, uh, an answer because it takes too long to write the answer. <laughs> right? It's just, it's you just produce videos now. I, I still produce books like you've seen, but it's easier just to the video the answer. So let's dive in here. Module four, healing on the streets. Part A, healing theology. This is what I learned from Bob Johnson. I think he saw I was having a hard time figuring out how to deal with healing and how to do it. And so Bob just looked at me one day. Bob was my mentor on the streets. He ran Night Strike. So Bob's basic healing theology was devil bad, Jesus good. <laughs> it all breaks off from there. If it is bad from the devil, it needs to go. Number one, things that are bad, pain, cancer, tumors, depression, bodily ailments, broken bones, sores, lesions, etc. So number two, the father doesn't give his children afflictions to teach them a lesson. God doesn't afflict people cancer, cancer is from the devil. Let's hold right there. I know you guys have um, heard me mention before that I was at a funeral one time and I, I, I it was, a, it was a person I knew from church, and um, her her husband had passed away. He was a very sad, super nice guy, very active in the church. And I know she got up at the pulpit and goes, God, why did you take my husband and give him cancer? And God didn't. When it's in decay and chaos, if you're following along and all this stuff like from um, my podcast on uh, Exodus and stuff, chaos comes from the dark ones, the devil. You know, if something chaos like cancer, God didn't afflict it. God may use as a trial to work with us to bring us closer to him. And we could pray over it. And I've seen cancer heal either instantaneously when I prayed for it, or I've seen it heal over time, or the healing was they went off with Jesus. And wow, Mike, that's not 
very good spectrum there. Well, it's basically what I've seen how it works. And I know we've seen cancer heal. People are like, Mike, I need you to pray for me. You need to pray for me. It had nothing to do with me praying. It had everything to do with what God was doing in his providence. And that's the biggest thing I had to figure out for healing because when I went down the streets early on night strike, I was like using a super concentration heal like you're an X-Men mutant or something, right? And it's coming through your body. It's not. It's coming through Jesus. Jesus is the one that heals. And that takes a lot of weight off you. You may see a healing right away or you may not see a healing or you could see a healing over time. However, Jesus plans to do it with that person. So that's something to keep in mind as we discuss this stuff. So number three, we don't co-suffer with Christ in our affliction. The work on the cross is completed. Jesus suffered for us. Sometimes there can be a lot of warfare on the road to healing. If you're following St. Teresa of Avila, I talked about that in Interior Castles, Mansion 6, Chapter 1, where she talked about her maladies. And she had some horrible stuff. She, I think she was actually dead raised through one of her stuff when she actually may have died and come back early on in her 20s. But it's we're not going through this pain because we're Christian. We're suffering with Jesus on the cross, just like he did. We can't take that suffering, and we don't know the weight of what he took, so we have to take that off the board from you. Sorry. It's not what it is. Jesus did the work for us. If we're suffering, we're going into him. A lot of times, suffering is all throughout the Bible. We have two things, joy and suffering, and we have joy through suffering, and that's what we got to look at here. And I've known a lot of people who are um, suffering from cancer, and they were still finding their joy in Jesus Christ, and it was giving them strength through the cancer more than anything else to survive it. And some fought the battle and survived, and I know some just went on to their glory. You know, it's, it's hard to tell which is which. It's not random. There's something going on there that's out of our perspective that we don't understand. And that's something you have to wrap your mind around when you pray for healing. We're not the ones that heal. Jesus heals. And I don't want to bring you to a downer. I'm going to bring it up to a higher point now, but I want you to understand the reality when I work in this stuff and healing, I'm radically in the middle. That's where I'm at. You know, it's just, we have to be respective of the people who are asking for healing. I've been to, as a counselor, I've been working with people who were dragged from healing ministry to healing ministry to healing ministry. They didn't get their healing, so they became angry at Jesus. Why didn't Jesus give me my healing? When, you know, all these Pentecostals are telling me, I'll be healed at this one, healed, healed at this one. Like 20 healing ministry, you know, healing conferences later, I'm not healed. I told the person, well, stop going to healing conferences. You know, just work on your relationship with Jesus. But I'm mad at him now. You know, so this whole thing, we have to be careful of the dynamics of what we're doing to people and not be overzealous to their healing. Jesus is going to heal them and Jesus is going to work where they're at. And you have to observe where Jesus is at in their humanity, in their pain. Be aware of that if you want to pray for healing. So number four, Jesus healed everyone in the Bible, regardless if they followed him afterwards. I shared last time we prayed for the Satanist, right? We, we prayed to her a broken ankle. She broke it that, that morning. And we are in the evening, probably like 9 p.m. And we prayed and that ankle was healed. She didn't accept Jesus. He's going to heal them regardless if they, if they accept him or not. He's provides, he loves them and he's going to give them free will. All about free will. Number five, less religion, more Jesus and the Holy Spirit and healing. What's that mean? I think St. Teresa also has that term too. It's not about thinking much, but about loving much. Love the person. Less religion. 
You don't need to go out in the streets. I remember a lot of times when I brought youth groups out on the streets and they were from a very religious church and they'd be praying at the top of their lungs for a person. Oh, Lord, come bring your mercy down and hail this person. You're like, they're talking like, oh, what are you? You know, like a satellite channel with a, um, some sort of a prayer ministry or something. Send me $25 a month and it'll heal. They're sounding like this. And one part, one time was funny. This one girl and girl was going so loud. She got the Robin Williams Newark Echo, like, shut the F up <laughs> from one of the windows up tall. So it's like, you know, we got to bring a healing perspective. It can be quiet. It's personal. Just lay hands on a person and just talk with them. It doesn't have to be this whole dynamic show. You know, like healing can be as bad as deliverance. You know, come out, come out. Or you know, oh, Lord, bring healing. Yes, yes, is healing. It's just very subtle, very, I want you to get that mindset, just interacting with the person at a compassionate level. Jesus wants to enter the humanity of the person's pain. That's where we're at, okay? That's when you start to see healing. You start getting the person involved too. So B, the price for our healing was paid for in full. Our sickness and frailty were paid for for a price. Who paid for it? Jesus. Jesus paid the price. Jesus is the one that heals. So 1 Peter 2.24, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, i.e. the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. By his wounds you have been healed. Let's go to Colossians 2.14. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us, with legal demands that he set aside, nailing it to the cross. The sickness was nailed to the cross, right? It's, it's evil. It's darkness. So how do we proceed then, Mike? How do we proceed? Because I want you to focus on that. If you're learning to heal, it's not about, if you didn't see a healing, it's not about you. It's not about you, what you did, what you did wrong. It's right there. It was already been paid for at the cross. We don't know if the person gets healed after we pray for him. So it may not have been instantaneous. I had something interesting that happened to me. It was kind of funny. I got healed of asthma. I had asthma probably close to 40 plus, 50 years, my, my whole life. And as I was praying for people, God gave me word of knowledge they had um, asthma. And I prayed for them, and the asthma would heal. And I was saying, what the heck's going on, God? I have asthma. Why did you send somebody to me to have you know, pray for healing? And as I went through all this, it's like probably like, months i'd be on the street ministry and like and it came on me pray for that person they have asthma and i'm going are you kidding me you know i was kind of getting bummed out what about me i got asthma and i think it was like somewhere around december or something of that year god goes hey you don't need to buy your medication next year i know in a month january the rains start in california you don't need to buy your allergy medicine in case it rains because you're healed of asthma i'm sitting there going what and I felt that hurt in the conscious, like, you're, you're healed. Like, I was doubting it. It was, no, you're healed. So by the time January rolled around, I did order my medication. I'm thinking, well, I better have it just in case I didn't hear this right. I started taking my medication. I started getting these weird reactions in, from it. And I never had them before. And I go, oh, great, I better see the doctor. I go and see the doctor. He goes, this is weird because only like 3% of the people develop a reaction like you did. And I go, what the heck's going on? And God's telling you, I told you you were healed. So I just stopped in cold turkey and I was healed. It was just, it was crazy. God had to make me sick of my medication to make me pay attention to the fact that he healed me of asthma. So it's stuff like that. You'll, you'll have a lot of um, stories that aren't so glorious, like, oh, this is what happened. I mean, I, I was out in Guyana um, on 
working with a friend. We were doing missionary work. And we were doing night strike in Guyana on the docks. It was like, we always go to the worst places in town, right? So we're in the drug dealing docks out there doing night strike and praying for people. And this was on a Saturday night. And I was showing these other Guyanese how to pray for healing. We were praying for this woman. I thought nothing was happening. Nothing was going on. And I didn't take into account that I was a strange white guy praying for her, right? And these other people she didn't know was praying for her, so she was more taken back. And she complained about pains in her head, pains in her back that were, you know, lifelong. She was dealing with them. And I thought nothing was happening. Okay, well, you know, we blessed her and moved along. Not more than 10 hours later, that woman showed up at church in the front row where I was speaking. And everybody noticed her and they go, well, what are you doing here at church? And she pointed, that man up there prayed for me and my back pains went away. And we're going, I was going, what? So a lot of times you won't even be aware of what Jesus is doing. So don't take it personal. I just move in the way now that I pray for people and then I'll move on because Jesus will do it. I'm not the healer. I'm the person supposed to lay hands on and pray. And that's all I'm supposed to do. That's it. That's my job. Nothing spectacular, nothing big there. I may or may not see a healing. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. In Miracles and Warfare, when I had those years ago, I would never pray for healing for people, like I said, because I was training people and I was getting a little bit of notoriety, but I didn't want to be put in a pedestal. So when it came for praying for people for healing, I had other people who weren't there for maladies, but I learned how to pray. I had them pray for them. And they're the ones that saw miracles. We had, um, remember one lady showed up with severe eczema and I had couple of her friends that brought her, pray for her, and right in front of them, the eczema just vanished. They did it. So what we're saying here, Mike, same Holy Spirit's in me, the same Holy Spirit's in you. That's the same thing I have to train people with when I do spiritual warfare and they're in a demonic attack or something. Well, Mike, I'm not like you. Go, what do you mean? I'm a sinner just like you were, right? I have the same Holy Spirit, the same Jesus died on the cross for me. You have to have that waking in your mind that it is Jesus. We have the same Jesus. Todd White has the same Jesus I do, so I can do the same miracles he can. But we always go to see Todd White and pray for me, pray for me. You know, in fact, I, I had um, knee injuries and I had Todd White pray for me because I was actually a chauffeur for <laughs> at one of his um, Power and Love conferences and when it was in the Bay Area. I told him, yeah, I had these um, knee problems. And he prayed for me and the knees were fine for about a month and it, it went back to where they were. So we don't know. You know, it's just, it's just not, it's not the person that prays for you. It's just, are they willing to pray for you? And they willing to invoke God? You know, money I do not have, but I have the power of Jesus Christ. Right? That's what it is. So we're not doing it. It was all the power of Jesus Christ when He went to the cross for our sins and for our pains and for our sufferings. That's what it's about. Part C: God gave us the authority over sickness and the demonic. Yes. God showed us to me in a crazy way. I was totally had fear of the dark because, like I said, I went through generational hauntings. I always, at nighttime, at 40 years old, I left all the lights on in the house. I went to the bathroom. So I didn't want to see it was in the dark. And God just gave me this powerful, you know, healing of a demonic. And when that was first night on night strike when I was out there, I didn't know my spiritual authority over these things. And because I went through what I went through, it was payback time. When these demons manifested, I was felt the power of the Holy Spirit all over me. And I was working with this woman named Diane. Unfortunately, she passed away from cancer. She was an amazing woman, deliverance minister. And she was with us. She knew what to do. And what happened was I served this woman some soup on the streets. And I asked her, can I pray for you? And she goes, yes. And she goes, mm-hmm. And she took the soup. 
And all of a sudden she fully manifested and went to the ground with shaking. And so we kind of helped her over the side of the street, got her out of the street where she's at. And, and I went to go put my hand on the, on the woman, you know, on her shoulder to pray for her while she was shaking. And she went, get the F away from me. You're burning me. And I go, oh my God, what? You know, and she goes, you're burning me. Move your hand away. And it was a full on demonic manifestation. And she was screaming, screaming, screaming. And um, Diane goes, well, she has rejection of the Holy Spirit. We can't help her right now. And this was a very awesome deliverance minister that I had the opportunity to work with. And so we just kind of backed away and left her. And I've seen her on the streets a couple of times before after that. She talked with me. And, you know, it is what it is. So we that's when God showed me my authority and the power I had over demons that snapped the uh, fear of the dark off me at that moment. It was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize what power we were walking in with this authority. You know, if you have fear of the dark, it's the lie. If you saw spirits and stuff like I did growing up, it just it just flipped it the other direction. Like, what do you mean they were afraid of me this whole time? Oh my God. So the power to heal belongs to God alone. The revelation absolves us from any pressures as we follow the Lord's instruction to pray for healing. Right? The power to heal belongs to God alone. Jesus heals. I tell people in counseling too. Like, Mike, you gonna heal me today? I don't heal, Jesus heals. And we follow his instruction. So Matthew 10, 8, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Mark 16, 17 through 18, M16 Ministries, this is my thing right here, Mark 16. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Important point, not all ailments are demonic. In the New Testament, Jesus cast out a deaf and dumb spirit out of a boy, Mark 9. And in another healing, Jesus merely healed a deaf and dumb man. It was a physical ailment, so you have to use your discernment. So if you're following along my podcasts outside this, you know the biggest gripe I have right now is Christians moving deliverance don't have discernment whatsoever. It's getting bad. They can't discern whether if it's inner healing or it's actually something demonic. But in deliverance now, there's no such thing as inner healing. It's all demonic. And that is a problem, and that's hurting people. Same thing here. When you move in this, you'll know whether it's demonic or not. You'll know. Use your discernment and take your time to feel if there's something demonic. Just, you know, you just got to, you know, calm yourself. Psalm, Psalm 4610, be still and know that I'm God. Still yourself. Jesus, is there anything spiritual here? Let me feel it. Do it like that. Same thing with healing. Not all ailments are demonic. Be aware of that. D, pray boldly with love. Pray for people with the same intensity and boldness you would want them to pray for you. So if you're the, if, imagine yourself, you're praying for somebody with cancer, they're, you know, they're at wit's end. They're, my gosh, you know, they need help. So you're not going, okay, Jesus, I'm going to command this to go in the name of Jesus. You know, you don't want to do it like that. Just, just pray to be compassionate. Jesus, thank you for this person. Thank you for them existing. Thank you for them being here today. We just, we just thank you for who they are and the work you're doing through them. And the authority of Jesus Christ, I command this cancer to go and to leave this body and never return in Jesus' name. You know, and maybe just pray in tongues or whatever we're going to do over it for a while. And show that person some compassion. Jesus would show them, what's compassion Jesus would show that person right there in that time? That's what you want to do. And it's just focus on them through Jesus and just, 
whatever you pray for, you pray for. And it's just that time with them where you're bringing in the intimacy of the Holy Spirit to come down to and be with them. And let the Holy Spirit and Jesus do their work. All right, for those of you on Night Strike, you know this one, E. Keep your eyes open. One of the greatest rewards of praying is seeing a person's countenance and physical demeanor change as they receive it. When you pray with your eyes open, getting a feel for what the Holy Spirit is doing with an individual is easier. You may also have the opportunity to see the affliction dissipate right before your eyes. When I talk about the, um, the woman who had uh, the eczema and it vanished, you'll be seeing cool stuff like that right in front of you. Like, whoa, no way. Or see a leg grow out. Crazy stuff. Remember we um, were in Haight-Ashbury with a Bethel School Supernatural Ministry team I used to take out. And at nighttime, it was just flourishing with Satanists. They'd have their little Baphomet jackets, you know, the, the devil symbol in the back. And one of those kids we came across and we prayed for, we call them the Lost Boys, we grew his leg out and he freaked out. And he followed us the rest of the night to see what we were up to and what we were doing and how the power we were moving in. As a Satanist, he never saw that sort of power of people getting healed and being prayed for. So it's it's amazing stuff there. But like I said, it, you have to keep your eyes open to see this. Well, if you're in street ministry, you got to keep your eyes open to be aware of what's going on in the streets. I could be praying for healing and watching another person across the street doing a drug deal, and I'm keeping an eye on them while I'm praying. It's multitasking, right? To make sure my group is not in any danger that a gun comes out or we have to duck behind a car. Make sense? So on the streets, keep your eyes open. Pray with one eye open. Sorry, I'm mixing my Metallica with my uh, <laughs> my ministry, but that's the idea there. Keep your eyes open on the streets, guys, and keep your eyes open. You pray for healing. You may, may witness a healing, and it's a cool thing to see. So F, speak directly against the illness. When praying against the illness, speak directly to the ailment or the spirit behind the condition. Remember, it may not always be a spirit. Many times in cancer, it's okay to go after a spirit. Let's say the spirit of cancer, I command you to leave. Our spirit of infirmity, I command you to leave this body in Jesus' name. Many times it may be. Or just command the infirmity itself to leave. It doesn't matter. Infirmity, I command you to leave. So Mark 9, 25. And when Jesus saw that crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you to come out of him and never enter. Now this is more dealing with the demonic possession here, as opposed to demonic oppression. But like when I'm talking about cancer right there, look at the words Jesus. Um, you mute and deaf spirit. We're not calling out a mute and deaf spirit. You spirit of infirmity, I command you, come out of them and never enter them again. Holy Spirit, please go through as this thing gets pushed out. Cleanse the blood cells, cleanse the scars, cleanse the cells, whatever's going through your Holy Spirit, and bring resurrecting life to the, the, the cells you're going through now in Jesus' mighty name. That's how you do it. It just go after warfare. Um, if you ever go to another country, we're so, even when we think we're moving in healing, it's it's more of a spectacle here, you know, like a, a group activity where we go to a healing conference. But you go see some guys like I was in Guyana. These guys go after it. It's total warfare. I've seen guys go after malaria. Like, they're, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Malaria, come out. Leave. Rebuke malaria. Leave it. Leave it, Jesus. And they'll go on for hours. And I was with a, a pastor who had a malaria outbreak when we were traveling down this river. And he was vomiting like crazy that night. And the next day... It looked like nothing ever happened. I think within three hours, he fell asleep out of these guys. His other team members praying for him. They were warring. They were going after it. You know, Holy Spirit, come before, go before us. And we command this thing to leave in Jesus' name. It was In that case, it was loud. If you're rebuking something, you're going after it, go after it in Jesus' mighty name. 
cancer, go after it. However, you want, however you're led by the spirit to go after it, um, just not freak the person out you're working with there or, you know, get them up that level. Cool stuff. So speak directly against the illness, you know, or if it's a broken bone, broken bone, I command you to heal in the authority of Jesus Christ. I command healing in the bone, healing the marrow, healing the cell structure level. Jesus, you're the creator of this, this individual, this soul, this body. Uh, we know, you know how this was designed. We, we use your authority to command healing to the body and for these bones to heal. I've seen several bones heal. And every time I was shocked that it happened. All right. It's just, it is what it is. It's not like, you know, <laughs> Jesus will work even when, you know, our faith may not be up to it or we're more shocked by what's going on. That's what I want you to learn right now. We're not the ones that heal. Jesus heals. And it's his providence. You just got to work with him. Yeah, I was at a, oh gosh, years ago, they tore down the bus station. Now they have this big old tower over there. Um, the Salesforce Tower, the one that's leaning in San Francisco, like seven degrees. It used to be a bus terminal down there years and years and years ago, probably like around 2007, 2008. A lot of homeless would spend the night there. And again, we were out with uh, the, the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. I always took them out in training runs because like I said, it's they were at the zoo where the, you could pet the animals and you know, have a petting zoo up there. But when you got down to San Francisco, it was a different story. The wild animals and they bite. You have to know how to be on the safari and be protected, right? So here we are taking out the, the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, and they brought me this person they're having a hard time healing with. And I look at this guy, and I don't know what was going on. It's just like, it just dropped out of my mouth. You need to forgive your wife. That's all. He goes, oh, my God. Oh, my God, you're right. And the guy says, I forgive my wife. Lord, I forgive my wife. And I said, now what's going on with you? He goes, I broke my arm today. And he goes, these other people are praying for me. I go, well, okay, well, hold your arm out. You know, it was just, just like this conversation, right? I wasn't sure what the heck's going on. I'm still trying to figure out what's going on with this guy. And I'm praying, talking to Jesus, and I start praying over his arm. And he goes, ow, 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 my arm's burning, my arm's burning. And he starts moving his hand. He's like, I couldn't move my hand before, my arm's burning. And he starts tearing off the cast. <laughs> he's going, oh my God, oh my God, it's healed, it's healed, look at it, it's healed. And he's moving his hands around and doing stuff with it. I'm just, I'm like, what on earth is going on here? I'm still trying, I'm still trying to dial in. You know, I just got here. <laughs> We're praying. What's happening? And he gets his phone out and he goes, Mom, Mom, my hand it broke today. This guy in front of me just, just prayed over and it healed. Here, talk to him. And she puts me on the phone with his mom. Like, hello? She goes, oh my God, is it true? His arm healed? He goes, I guess so. I'm not a doctor. You know, I'm sitting there going, what? What? You know, like, I'm not a doctor, but I prayed for him. And it, he, he seemed to think it's healed and his hand's really warm and stuff where it happened. And so, you know, he's convinced. Like, oh my God. And he's, he's around telling his friends, my hand got healed. These people prayed for me. My hand got healed. It was crazy. And I'm I'm still trying to dial in on you know, what the heck happened. You know, you know, <laughs> the skeptic side of me, like, did he heal? But he did heal. He did heal. He was demonstrating that whatever happened before, he couldn't move his hands, couldn't do nothing with it. And it was it was fully healed and meshed back together. And he said his hand just got burning hot or something happened and they healed back together. So it's, you know, it's not us. That's the message I'm getting here. Just do, just do what the Holy Spirit wants you to do, you know, and it's just, I now have the faith when I pray for now that something's going to happen. But God had to get me there. That was my own skeptic insecurities. And despite me, he got me there. I had to literally dive in and be aggressive to see healings because the people on the streets with like the force and the other people of Night Strike who are praying for healing, like the Alyssas, they were seeing healings. They were seeing healings. So I, I was witnessing them too. And I go, God, I want to move like that. And over a year, I was practicing and praying for healing to see it. And the whole time I thought I wasn't concentrating right or doing saying my prayer right. And that's, that wasn't the case. So if you're starting to move in healing, it's just go pray for somebody. You know, it's just God's going to teach you. You have to step out. And the more you step out, like a night strike, the more we secured 
a t- spiritual territory that was ripe for healing because we, we were constantly there, constantly working in that area. That presence was constantly there. So the healing presence came with us, if that makes sense to you. You just have to secure that area, whether you're, you're starting a healing room or what. Um, it's just, it's crazy. And there, there'll be things too. Um, I'm going to ramble here a second. When we had a new pastor come to our church over a decade ago, he wanted to bring healing to the church. I told him, well, the healing is already here. You have Night Strike team members and all these people on your congregation about the Night Strike. I've seen healing firsthand. So healing's here. And he just kept like, no, it's not. You know, it's like, and what turned out was, I hate to say this, there was a narcissistic attitude that healing didn't come through him and him bringing it in. And so now he was, um, you know, stifling the movement of the Holy Spirit and the healing, which was really weird. But it happened anyway. And I, that's, I went off the side and started um, Miracles and Warfare. And it, it got so interesting with this pastor that we were having crazy healings at Miracles and Warfare, stuff like this going on. And I'd submit him the healings, a list of healings that happened that night. And like, hey, this is going on. Like, you want a healing church? Can you just, you know, announce the church we saw these healings happen? He would never announce any healing happening, any miraculous healings. Demons being cast out, people healing, you know, legs growing out. He would never announce it. It was this very narcissistic thing was because he didn't introduce it and it wasn't him. I think God was hardening his heart kind of like Pharaoh, right? It's already here. Let go and just join into what's already here and the Holy Spirit's already built. But he had a difficult time with that. Just couldn't get outside of himself from it. And that, you know, that caused issues later down the road. You know, things he kept building kept falling apart. He was building his own kingdom and he wasn't building the... The capital K kingdom was building his little K kingdom. And that's something you got to be aware of too. When healing comes, you're not bringing it. You got to keep moving in it, keep moving in it, and it'll start showing up. You know, and sometimes movements happen in church and they get excited. Well, people got healed and then it moves out. What happened, right? It's just, did you did you squelch the Holy Spirit? What happened? Be careful of it. Be very sensitive. That's part of the title here, sensitive to the movement of the Holy Spirit. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to him. When he comes and moves in your church, acknowledge him and don't go all crazy and think a revival is breaking out. Because many times it's not. Many times it's just Jesus is there and he wants to take the church up the notch a bit and he wants to get you to be a healing church and a very spiritual church. So be aware. Step outside of your seminary education. So G, praying on the streets. You don't usually have the luxury of praying for hours on end for healing. You often have about two minutes or less because of dynamics on the streets. So here's how we pray. In the authority of Jesus Christ, I command the illness to dissolve, leave the body, never return. I command the ailment to go and never return to this body. I ask the Holy Spirit to pump life-giving, resurrecting blood from the body, heart of this body. And again, this, this is not a prayer to memorize. That's just the general ideology or theology of what you should pray. And in the meantime, as you pray for this and just you know bring the humanity of Jesus Christ, bring bring an encounter of Jesus to this person. Maybe somebody else with you or you can are getting a prophetic word while you're praying. Give the person a prophetic word, build them up. This is an encounter time. Healing may come through the encounter. It's all about an encounter. What's God going to do through this entire encounter? Like I said, you, you, on the streets, if you're in like the homeless situation or something, keep lookout. Many times as I um, was the leader, I wouldn't usually participate in the healing part because I was keeping a lookout in the streets. And I would just, you know, if a prophetic word dropped in, I'd drop the prophetic word to the person like, wow, how'd you know? You know, so you can still do it. Because I've had people like we're praying for them and somebody else came by and tried to steal the bike from underneath them. 
you know, I caught him. Like, don't touch the bike, you know. <laughs> it's the, You're on the streets. I'm, I mean, San Francisco, crazy stuff happens. So you need a lookout. So it has to be a spiritual lookout while you're doing this stuff. So don't be nervous in all this. It is God that heals, not us. And that's how I got down the road with some of the stuff with um, doing exorcism. It is God that heals, not me. I am just a servant of God. Inner healing, I worked with ritual abuse survivors. Some took 10 years to heal, on average. I didn't bring the healing. Every session, it was Jesus that brought the healing. Basic inner healing for dissociative identity disorder or trauma. Jesus brought healing. It wasn't the deliverance ministers. Sometimes deliverance ministers cause more problems. I really wish a lot of deliverance ministers would stop their ministry. Stop it until they learn to discern spirits. You can't discern spirits. It's not like, I see a snake around your waist. How many times have seen that? I call it checkbox deliverance now. You have a Medusa spirit. You have a Leviathan spirit. You have water spirits. Like, stop it. That's checkbox deliverance, and those people don't belong in deliverance. They need to be pushed aside, maybe be a greeter or hospitality or something, because they are hurting a lot of people. And I've been with people, you know, like I said, I've been through generational haunting. My discernment is bolt on, you know? It's like an Iron Man suit right now. I can pick it up. It's like a shark smelling blood 20 miles away. I can pick up on it. You know, like I said, people can't take me to restaurants, especially old ones here in California in the gold mine days. So I'll detect the spirits present in the building. I'll just ask the waitresses and they're laughing. I had one happen about a year ago. I went to get a Philly cheesesteak at this old stagecoach stop. We had the best Philly cheesesteaks in Northern California. Go, Heck yeah, I'm stopping in there. And I walk in, whoom, oh, something's here. I sat down at the table and I'm asking the, the person, I go, don't, don't freak out. But, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor. It deals with hauntings and stuff. And you have a haunted restaurant here, don't you? He goes, oh, yeah. And I go, okay, that's cool. I just wanted to ask. I could feel it. And so the waitress goes back and processes my order. And another waitress comes out. I guess we're working on it. She goes, are you the one asked about the ghost? And I go, yeah. She goes, sometimes I'll know this thing comes over and pitches my butt. It's <laughs> laughing. I go, well, tell it to stop it. Don't let it do it. So it's just like that. My, my sermon's dead on with this stuff. And it's just, it is what it is, my upbringing, how Jesus brought me up. And I worked with ministers who couldn't detect nothing. And when I work with people, I train them of what I'm sensing. And I do it quietly so the person we're doing deliverance on doesn't figure it out. And it also backs me up that I'm feeling the same thing, like confirmation. To this day, I still ask for confirmation. My team members who could feel stuff too. And they're like, yeah, I feel it too. Okay, good. This is, we're both on the same page of what type of spirit it is and what's going on. And that's how we determine spirits, not through checkbox. Many times I don't even call it the name. So I'm like, I bind you. You're an unclean spirit and I command you to go. And all the rest of you in there too. Go now. Sometimes I only go for the root spirit. You know, that's another checkbox deliverance. Go for the root spirit. They all got to go. You know, did Jesus ever ask for a root spirit in any of the biblical accounts? Nope. What's the difference between an unclean spirit and a water spirit? There's a huge difference. If you don't know, go get my book, Cosmology and Demonology in Genesis 1 through 11. And if you're going to do deliverance or any sort of healing stuff, you got to know your demonology. And it's, it's, it's Christian mythology that's running around rampant right now in deliverance ministry. So I'm going to get off my soapbox here. So, yeah. So how do we pray? One more time for closing. In the authority of Jesus Christ, or in Jesus' name, I command the illness to go and never return. 
Holy Spirit, bring healing and resurrecting life to the ailment, where it was going on, where cells were damaged. You know, cleanse the blood, cleanse whatever the part of the body needs to. And Jesus is, is pump your Holy Spirit, pump your life, giving resurrecting blood to the heart and body. Just bring healing to them. Bring healing, Jesus, in Jesus' name. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And that's it, guys. That's it for um if you guys enjoyed this, these these trainings, let me know. Or if you have more questions, because I can go deeper, I can unpack deeper. But this was the basic training course I had, literally, that was the boot camp for my church who wanted to go out in the streets. And we went through this on a Sunday afternoon and we did a little exercise in healing. You could also use this too, um, like we use it here. A little small study group or something, you know, except that it's it's the study guide's available at a field guide to spiritual warfare at blogspot.com. Look for episode 63, Healing on the Streets, and use it. So good stuff, guys. And I have more and more material I'm, I'm sitting on top of from training. I'm just going to put it out like this. I hope you guys don't mind charging buck ninety nine because I just I figure well, it takes me a day or two to reformat it and get it out there, and it'll be available to anybody that wants it. And I think that's pretty cheap training material, right? That's always I'm doing it, and I'll put it on my um, my Etsy account there. So that's it for now, guys. And from the M16 bunker again, you can find us at Field Guide Spiritual Warfare at blogspot.com. Again, we love um, financial support too. I am still helping people with cases. Like I said, my, my counseling industry got destroyed during COVID. So it's not around anymore, but I'm still doing spiritual warfare ministry and helping people I can. And I'm trying to keep myself not being overloaded so I can't help everybody. But I'm helping some very dark cases right now. And in fact, what's crazy right now, like you guys know, I'm actually assisting people that were damaged by Roman Catholic exorcists and some high-level um, Christian Pentecostal deliverance ministries. I have two cases of people that were damaged by Roman Catholic exorcists I'm working on right now, and I'm trying to straighten things out because there was no discernment about the inner healing or discernment if there was demons present, and they call out these things that just didn't exist. And I'm working with these people right now, and that's, it, I mean, I have to drive to these places, and we don't charge money for the, for the, uh, ministries and a lot of times people forget to compensate too i wish they would they tell us they pay 900 to a delivered minister and i show up to help them it's like come on you have gas money or something you know and so just it's not begging so if you wouldn't mind i would love to have blessings to help these people um you can go to paypal and donate to m16 ministries at gmail.com remember it's mark 16 m16 ministries at gmail.com and yeah we'd love a blessing Meanwhile, I'm going to continue to produce some equipping material. I also have a class coming out because I'm dealing with so much bad deliverance. If you guys are in the Bay Area, it's coming soon. I do have um, a training guide available. It's coming out, and it's a class. It's going to be about an eight-session class. It's going to go intense all the way to exorcism. And I want to start straightening things out of stuff that's bad here. So I'm going to get some good people out there who understand what's going on and no discernment. And Yeah, we're getting there, guys. We're slowly getting there. You guys are amazing. If you have topics you want covered too, send them to me. I'll produce stuff for you guys. I, I want to get the message out. I've been doing this for a long time. I've seen a lot of stuff, dealt with all sorts of crazy stuff on the streets, through exorcisms, through hauntings, through whatever. If you guys have questions or something you help with, shoot them this way. Go to Facebook, a field guide to spiritual warfare, or you can go to a field guide to spiritual warfare.blogspot.com. Leave comments here, or you know, even the Facebook one, you, you messengers. I, I prefer leaving questions in the comment section so I can answer them, other people can see them. A lot of people respond to that. So, right, you guys, 
out of the M16 bunker. I love you guys. And until next time, I think we're covering Exodus. Oh, where are we at? Next, uh, Exodus 9, maybe? I'll have to go look. I think we're in Exodus 9 next time we jump back. Unless something else chop, props up or something relevant pops up for a, a, a fireside chat. So God bless you. Until then, amen. Checking out the M16 bunker.